optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start to shake. Can I answer your personal question? Now we're just sitting in a perfect time. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com slash TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com slash TFS. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, boys and girls. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. It is usually my job to deconstruct world-class performers, whether they are, say, military strategists, hedge fund managers, chess prodigies, athletes, entertainers, screenwriters, etc. But this time around, the tables are turned. Many of you have wanted to hear me being interviewed, and I may bore you to tears, but this is an attempt. And in fact, we have Damon John, who is CEO and founder of FUBU, which he turned into a business with more than $6 billion in sales, but it all began with a $40 budget and no outside funding. And Damon has a new book out called The Power of Broke. You can check out all sorts of cool aspects and offers of this at powerofbroke.com. And he is an expert interviewer and interrogator. You may also know him, of course, as one of the stars of Shark Tank. But we've known each other for quite a few years, and what you're going to hear is an interview that was then sliced and diced and put in a, in a uh, synopsized form into the book about some of my beginnings that you may not have heard of. So it's like the four-hour work week, this, luxury lifestyle design, blah, 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 but you oftentimes don't know about driving around, this is me, that is, 
a used minivan that was a hand-me-down from my mom or uh, giving keynote presentations to chihuahuas to try to develop my presentation skills because I was so nervous to go on stage, et cetera, et cetera. So we dig into a lot of the advantages you can have if you think you are at a disadvantage. So desperation, lack of funding, no background training, network. How can you take the power of broke in this case, the power of being a rope beginner, starting from scratch, and turn it into a strength. That's what this conversation is about. You should definitely check out The Power of Broke. It has interviews with people not uh, only yours truly, but with the founder of Under Armour, EDM superstars, people from every possible field you can imagine about their rocky beginnings and how they turned a lack of resources into a strength. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Damon John. So what's up? You got me here, Shark Damon John, and I have the pleasure of bringing my buddy on to talk about The Power of Broke. And my buddy's name is Tim Ferriss. I don't think he needs any introduction, but uh, I'm going to actually read a couple of points because I do know many of the things that Tim has done and is still doing, but I want to make sure that um, that I really put it in perspective because there's so many things. So uh, Tim, of course, is an author, um, an entrepreneur, an angel investor. Um, and also really a human guinea pig. And I think that uh, Tim exercises the power of broke whether, uh, you know, when he is looking and vetting deals uh, or whether he is actually physically uh, becoming a human guinea pig for something or he's putting out his book and information or he's just out there learning. So I learn from Tim a lot and I just want to basically introduce Tim Ferriss. How are you doing, Tim? I'm great. All right. Nice to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here with me. Um, so... Now, you know, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, basically, you know, when you came out and you decided to come out with uh, the four-hour work week, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, we all, uh, the theory of the power of broke is the fact that we don't utilize money to accomplish a job. And I don't care if you're working at, um, you know, at Ford. It's about ingenuity and it's about Mm -hmm. thinking, but it's not about the actual dollars. The dollars will come, but being creative. Um, why would somebody give you a book deal? Because I'm, I'm told that you got turned down by 26, 27 yeah. authors. I got turned down by 27 banks. I guess that's a lucky number. Yeah. What, what was the challenge of you know, getting a book deal and getting it out there? Well, the, uh, the first problem, if you want to look at it as a problem, was that I never wanted to write a book. So there was an accidental career, and I had a few students... I was guest lecturing at the time, recommend that I write a book. And I was right. like, that's the most ri- ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I can't write don't want to write anything longer than an email. I'm not going to do it. And when the notes started coming together from this class and a few friends of mine were like, you should just make this a book. You have all of this material that you could turn into something. I tried to put it together and eventually got introduced to a couple of the right people, which by the way, actually I'm going to take a back step. So the person who introduced me to my agent was Jack Canfield, who was co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh I think this is probably most uh, relevant to the power of Brooke. The way I met him, people are always asking me, how do you meet your mentor? Would you send him an email and ask him to be your mentor? I'm like, no, that's not what you do because they have enough of a job. They don't need another full-time job, especially an unpaid one. Uh Uh, Was I had just moved to Silicon Valley years prior didn't know anyone, didn't have any money. I was driving my mom's hand-me-down minivan, which was like, it was horrible. Uh-huh. Uh, not good for dating. And, um, <laughs> and I decided to volunteer for a startup nonprofit that held events. And so I busted my ass as a volunteer, right. kept on taking on more responsibility, 
and uh, kept on asking for more, for, for more, for more. And eventually they were like, all right, well, this guy's a go-getter. We don't have many of those among the volunteers because they think it's volunteer work. They don't have to work sure. hard. And uh, I was invited to one of their board meetings, and they chose me to lead the next major event. What did that mean? The important thing here was that I got to invite I got to choose and invite the panelists and the speakers. So I invited Jack Canfield, co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul, 100 million plus books right. sold, the guy who created the Pet Rock, co-founder of Electronic Arts, co- uh, the founder of Cliff Bar, all these people that I wanted to meet. Right. So I had no money, no connections. The only thing I had was time. Right. That was right. it. Uh, so flash forward a few years. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to stop right there for yeah. one second because, you know, you bring up a very valuable point, you know, that you went and you wanted to be mentored or you want to be some, you know, in an environment. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you and I and, and many of us mentor people, but a lot of people don't realize what's in it for the mentor. Right. Everybody comes in their pitches. I need, I need, I right, need, right. I need. And, you know, then my pitch is, well, <laughs> you mean, so I need to sleep less to help you. I need to do that. And then, so, you, you know, your theory was, let me go and contribute. Yep. Let me also go and, uh, you know, I'm going to get up before everybody. I'm going to go to bed after everybody. And I'm yep. going to become a rock star there. Right. And I'm going to add value. And that yep. value will then return to me. Right. And at the time, I had to borrow that credibility. Yes. Right? So in the beginning, I had no background. I had no... I hadn't been on the cover of any magazines or anything like that, so I I worked with this nonprofit that did bring in media. So they, as an organization, had people from Forbes and you know whether it was uh, the tech crunch of the day, whatever, would show up, and that's why the panelists wanted to come. Got it. And uh, so flash forward many years later, and I never bugged Jack, I never asked him to mentor me. Just every once in a while, if I had a real life decision question and it was not frequent I would send it to him and eventually many years later and we're still friends but he's like you should make this a book and before I knew it he's like I'm introducing you to this person this person this person this person alright so that's how I met the agent who's uh, at the time a brand new agent he was a superstar mm-hmm. editor but a brand new agent so he also was in a situation where he had <laughs> uh, you know no resources no reputation as, a, as an agent and then uh-huh. we, we went out to sell the book together and I uh, got turned down violently by almost everybody. It wasn't just a polite no, thank you. It was, it was this, this, is this is garbage. Yeah. Who is this idiot to tell uh-huh. me? How old is he again? To tell me A, B, and C. Exactly. People were very, very offended in some cases, which is still kind of mystifying to me. But, the, but let what, me ask you something. You know, yeah. With all those turn downs by uh, what you would say would be individuals who know the world, they know the pulse, yeah. and they're telling you it's crap. Yeah. Now, there's the fine line of we are in love with our product and yeah. we're too in love where we're not taking reality right. in hand. Yeah. Was there a way that you were measuring it going, no, I'm taking the pulse here or there yeah. and I know I'm on to something because yeah. we have to be realistic. Not all entrepreneurs or people are going to get an A. You know? Oh, for sure. 90% yeah. are going to get an F, right? Yeah, yeah, right? At what point did you say, this is not an F, it's an A or even a B? Yeah, the, the, what gave me confidence, I, I think there were two things. So... Uh, the first was I'd been testing this material on live classes for years and I always did feedback forums and I knew what people responded best to I knew how to hit a pulse Uh, the people who were in a position to buy my book were not my target audience and so they, they, it didn't register for them. You know, it, the, 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 they didn't have the same pain points, maybe. Got it. Uh, and uh, so, but it was demoralizing. I mean, 20 plus rejections yeah. and, and not mild rejections it was really <laughs> kind of demoralizing. I was like, and I started to doubt myself a little bit here and there. Yeah. But 
uh, I believed in the value of the content because it was the true story of my experience and what had worked for me. And I'd written the book, uh, well, what I'd written at that point at least, basically as an email to two friends and two very specific friends with very specific problems. And, uh, and, and we had one meeting left, I remember, because I went to New York, flew to New York to go to these in-person meetings with my agent. I was just like, no, 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 goodbye, no. And the, this it sounds like straight out of a movie, but it's, it's true. The last meeting was with Crown. And the crown is an imprint, basically a subdivision of Random House. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, this is the last meeting, so hopefully I'm going to be the most polished, right? Number mm-hmm. one. And we had the meeting, we had the meeting, and you can kind of feel a meeting if it's working or not. And it wasn't, it wasn't working. And and so I'm sitting there, and people are getting it, like intellectually, they're like, okay, uh-huh. I get it. But they they weren't having the visceral response. Right. And at the time, there's a guy named Steve Ross who was in charge of. Uh, Saying yes or no. He, he was the guy. And he was way down at the end. It was one of those kind of like Death Star meetings. They do it at CAA and all these places yeah, yeah. where they bring in like 30 people. And I'm like, I don't even know who, I can't remember the people's names. And, uh, and I remember that, that towards the very end, Steve was like, is there anything else you'd like to say before we, we, we kind of cut? And then we can follow up with you. It was one of those like, don't call us, we'll call you kind right, of right. like lead ups. And I was like, oh God, here comes number 30 or whatever. And I just, I told him, I was like, absolutely. I said, I don't half ass anything. And this is paraphrased, but it was just like, if you look at my records, whether it's in sports, whether it's in tango, whether it's in anything, like I will do anything required. I will kill myself if necessary to make this book a bestseller and it will be a bestseller. You guys should buy it. And he was just like, that's ballsy. And, and he's that's like, it. and that's that later. I had no idea like how the decision making process went, but then uh, about a year or two later, uh, Word came back to me. They're like, "Yeah, it was that last thing you said. It was that. That was the end of the meeting." How fast? How, how fast did they go to you know contract or yeah. or or let's start writing or let's start yeah. putting it together after that? You know, once uh, they also got it at a very good price, right? So it's, it's a balance okay. of factors, uh, right? That sure. they're like, "All right, this guy seems crazy There's enough." Not, you know, yeah. we're 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 managing our expectations. We're not paying a lot for yeah, it, yeah. and this guy is a workhorse, probably. Right, right. And they're like, all right, "Yeah, we place bets all the time." Like, right. "All right, sure." Like, this guy seems crazy enough, and uh, it took just a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, within a couple of weeks, it was it was time to write. Well, that's great. You know what? And 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 honestly, I never heard the details of that story, but it has all the. It has all the personality to a traditional power or broke uh, theme, which is number one, uh, you didn't overburden the potential mentor, whoever yeah. it was. Uh, number two is, you know, um, that person, and it happened with that potential mentor as well as at the end of this, this part of your life, the decision making person said, He's going to do it with or without me, and I yeah. want to be part of the ride. Yeah. I think also that as being turned down by 27 uh, you know, uh, publishers, um, I think that there's a couple of things here. You had proof of concept, mm-hmm. and that's what made you believe that you can go because you yeah. had already tested it. Yeah. Um, I also think that a couple other things. There's one, there's one thing I believe. If everybody loves it, you get the lowest common denominator, yep. I believe. Yep. So I think that it's that. Or they're lying to you. Or they're lying to you, and yeah. you know, and a hard no yeah. is at least better than yeah. maybe I'm saying maybe I'll call you back. Yeah, right, right. So, so I think that that all exercises exactly what I try to tell people, and we share to share with people is the power of broke. And then now, we have the book. Yeah, it's 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 uh, somebody believed in you now, and oh oh, the other one I like. The point yeah. is, you know that agent that nobody was working with. Yeah. 
that you found and you became partners yeah. with. Yeah. When I found my partners, they were, you know, in, you know, my, my partners who uh, ended up uh, helping me distribute clothes. Yeah. They were number 20, 30, 40 in the business. I noticed that everybody likes to go to number one and two. Yeah. I want to go to number 20 who yeah. wants to be number one or yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because... Yeah. They have the connections, they have the pipeline, yeah. they just don't have the product and or the grit of yeah. the newer yeah. position. Yeah. And that's what you found. So, yeah. okay, now all of a sudden you, uh, you have this book deal that you, uh, you really told them that you were going to change the world and become a bestseller, which uh, is one of the hardest things to do, especially at the time when books were starting to plummet. They give you a deal, the deal, they don't give you a lot of money, and... Even when they give you a lot of money, they barely do any marketing. Right. Now you have to go out and market this book, and you yeah. have to deliver on your word. What happens? How does that happen? So the uh, uh, I remember very, very clearly. It was, uh, let me get this right. It was December 26th, 2006. So the book was slated to come out April. Uh-huh. And I've been thinking about this for a while, but what I realized, like you said, uh, publishers tend to put money behind books they've already put money into. Right. And they hadn't put any money into mine, really. And uh, so it was my job to try to figure out how to market, but I didn't have free reign. I didn't have a, a full hand of options because uh-huh. the publisher didn't want me meddling with a lot of stuff. They're like, no, 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 we might do stuff with print. We might do stuff with this. We might do stuff with that. And what that left me was online. Mm-hmm. And online is obviously... A big category. Keep in mind, this was end of 2006, yeah, beginning so of 2007. Yeah, so there wasn't a Twitter, right? Twitter was just coming out. Okay. It was it was baby. It was what, just, what, what was out at that time? So it would have been Google. Uh, obviously, you've AdWords and things like that. Facebook. Uh, you had Twitter, which was very nascent. And MySpace was MySpace was sort of yeah. Okay, got it. And uh, there were, but there was kind of word on the street that like bloggers. Bloggers were interesting. Who are these blogger people? Yeah. And uh, so I realized, all right, if online is the only sandbox I can play in, I should probably figure out what the hell blogs and bloggers are. And it's embarrassing to say it at this point. But uh, so I went online. I remember the day after Christmas, I'm like, I really need to figure this out. Everything I thought I was going to do, I'm not allowed to do, apparently. Right. So I searched, you know, most influential bloggers. And Technorati came up at the time. A few things, a few, a number of different things came up. And I saw a summit. There was this, uh, some type of, uh, oh no, it was CES. That's right. Consumer Electronics Show exactly. in Vegas. Vegas yeah. And what, to my mind, because I used to do, uh, I used to have to sell mass data storage systems. When I graduated from school, the first job I had was like boiler room selling storage area networks. So I made a lot of cold calls uh-huh. and a lot of cold emails. And I realized, okay, well, what is the hardest way to get a hold of a blogger? The most crowded way is probably email. And they're, they're getting tons of email. Second most crowded would be phone, right? But they don't just put their phone on the internet right. for the most part, uh, unless, unless it's Robert Scoville, who ended up being very instrumental. Uh, and then the least crowded is in person. And that's, so I decided that I was going to try to track down, how do I find groups, like herds of bloggers in one place? And I, I looked at CES and I bought a ticket to Vegas and I never went to CES. I ended up going to, I, I, I started asking around. Uh, yeah, effectively, like, where can I meet bloggers? Where, where could I ask bloggers questions? And they said, oh, you should go to the, you should go to the lounge. Seagate's sponsoring a lounge called the Blog House, H-A-U-S, and it's free booze and free Wi-Fi for bloggers. I was uh-huh. like, perfect. Uh-huh. And so I go to this blog house and, uh, tip for people, always be nice. Be nice. And this is, uh, this, this is where it's gonna get really, 
that becomes really crucial. So I walk in, there's a, there's a woman who's, who's helping people get situated and sign in and checking their wristbands. And, uh, I was, you know, I was very nice to her. I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. and, uh, sat down and just, I would, I would sit in on conversations and I'd basically just say, Hey guys, I'm first time to CES. I don't know anything. Do you mind if I just eavesdrop? I would buy you a round of drinks, but it's free. I'll get you some drinks. Right. And they're like, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. And I just did that over and over and over again. And it turned out later, you know, because I was, uh, I was kind of lost, like babe in the woods. And I was speaking with this woman, uh, Miriam, who was helping people check in. And uh, everybody wanted at that time to talk to this guy named Robert Scoble, who was just, he was a big deal. He was the guy. Like, if you wanted somebody to talk about you or anything you were doing, he was the guy. But everyone was on top of him. I mean, everyone was just, you know, clamoring to get a hold of this guy. And I felt like that was not the right way to talk to him. I didn't want to be one of 20 people trying to get his attention. Um, and it turned out, lo and behold, you know, I brought this up to this woman who was helping me check in and she was his wife. And, and so she's like, Oh, you know, no problem. You can meet Robert. He's really easy to talk to. No problem. And so just like wait until they're done doing their thing. Uh So like hang out. I have nothing else to do. Hang out for another hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever it was. And she made the introduction, and um, that, a very small mention from Robert, is uh, one of the critical things that started the entire snowball. And uh, I took my experience at CES because I felt like it was positive. There weren't any big results yet, mm-hmm. because the book hadn't come out, but I was like, this seems to be working somehow. Like, I'm getting that sixth sense that things are starting to gel. And because I was very honest, I didn't try to impress anybody. This is another thing. I didn't try to impress anybody with what I knew about tech or anything. I would be the first person if they're like, da da da, Ruby on Rails. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm deep in the ignorance pool here. <laughs> like, I'm drowning. What is Ruby on Rails? I'm sorry, guys. And it was so uncommon that people would do that and admit when they didn't know something that people would then start asking me questions. Like, what are you doing here? Well, I'm working on my first book. Okay, what's your book about? And I would just let them kind of draw it out of me. I wouldn't pitch. I wouldn't go into full pitch mode because that's just like, it's just like trying to, go on dates. You can't just suddenly like, give a woman a five-minute pitch. Like It doesn't work. Like exactly. Desperation doesn't work. Go for the jugular. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work. And uh, So I went to South by Southwest and uh, managed to like finagle, beg and plead and negotiate and go through many, many different people to try to get a speaking spot. And uh, they're like, no, no, no. And Hugh, who, Hugh Forrest, who runs South by Southwest Interactive, is now a good friend. But at the time, like, he must have been so irritated because I kept on trying, kept on trying. He's like, no, 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 no. And then they had a cancellation, I think, like a very last minute cancellation. They're like, okay, you can go into the sponsored room where people are going to be like eating and drinking, <laughs> like non-ideal, right? <laughs> but like, you, you'll be in the Adobe, I think it was the Adobe such and such room and you'll have half hour or an hour. And when I gave that presentation and I, and I didn't have a place to stay, all the hotels were, were sold out. God, all those memories are coming back now. I stayed. Oh, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm going to get in tear up here. So I stayed at a friend's house and you'll love this. And I was so nervous about giving my presentation. Uh, he had three chihuahuas, all of, <laughs> all of different personalities, different sizes. And I went into the garage and the dogs came in because I thought I was going to go get food. And I gave my presentation to these chihuahuas for, <laughs> over and over and over again. And, and of course, well, I assume they couldn't understand a word I was saying, but, but, but if I was boring, like if I didn't move around, if I wasn't engaging, they would take off. And if I was like doing this kind of stuff and like 
you know, really Tony Robbinsing at them and keeping them engaged. <laughs> then they sat there, kind of pe- them, not like you mesmerized. That could be, and that could be the stupidest story ever. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, it could, yeah, no, exactly. But they're like, I don't know, whatever he's doing, I he looks like he's, it's it. exciting. So I'll watch. And um, and I went. I gave this presentation. The tech failed. I remember that. I had a whole presentation, and like the laptop, like the the internet connection was like, yeah. dead. And I was like. Okay, guess I'm just gonna have to wing it. And um, but I pr- I'd rehearsed so much, gave this presentation, and that was just that's that's where it took off. And well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I think I think the most important thing that I don't know if everybody else is gonna learn, but I have two hot dogs and two chihuahuas, so I'm gonna start doing my pitches because <laughs> yeah. no matter what level we're at, life, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, pitching, right? right? <laughs> um, but I, I think the valuable thing that that you mentioned in the story, a couple of things. First of all, what you said about the bloggers is going, you know, at them the normal traditional route, you know. Individuals who are in the space, they are approached a million times. And I had the same problem with, with music artists and producers. I can go down and, and try to find them at a conference when they're getting 9,000 cards yeah. or something like that. You know what I did? I started trying to find a way to meet them in clubs and hang out at the studio because, right. you know, a, a music artist is not waking up until 2 o'clock in the afternoon because right. they're performing yeah. on it. They're in the studio all night. So I tried to do that, of, of yeah. course. Um, I think also one of the most important things you said is, be nice to everybody. Yeah. You know, uh, Mary Kay made a statement years ago, of course, everybody's walking around with an invisible sign on them saying, make me feel important, yeah. right? And many people think that this whole thing of walking around with, uh, yeah, I need to speak to the man. I, that's, that's not probably going to get you as far as yeah. speaking to the wife or the daughter or the kids. Yeah. And, and many times, even on Shark Tank, uh, something will, a product I'll have, it'll air, I'll call all my big to-do guys, hey, I want to do a deal with you, and they'll go, yeah, whatever. Let them be home in the bed with their wife, watching TV, eating some chips, and that product then airs, yeah, and she right. goes, oh my God, I would use that. My phone lights up the next yeah. day. Yeah. So the, the, the most trusted advisors of individuals are the people they love. Yeah. And make sure you're nice. And especially even if they don't love them and they trust them like their secretaries or their doctors, yeah. these are the people that can say, hey, this is a good guy or this yeah. is a great girl. So Definitely. I love those stories. That, and that, that's absolutely the most amazing thing. And I think that one of the last things are uh, your transparency. Yeah. Don't walk in the room like you know everything because yeah. – when you're talking to very seasoned people, yeah. there's a certain code and or language that we speak. Not that it's hidden, but there's certain things you would say that can pick up that we know that you're lying or we know that you don't know what you're talking <laughs> right, about. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So now all of a sudden you got the book deal. You meet the bloggers. The book, uh, you know, where does the book end up in life at that point? Uh, you know, and just give us the, basically the, 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 what grade did you get on that book? Ah, uh, well, you know, the book, book was hard to write. I still find writing really difficult. Right. And, uh, book launches, uh, and I constrained what I spent also, uh, I could have spent more and I chose not to. I kept my, my, my expenses really tight. I mean, it was like five to ten grand and that's mostly just flying around trying to find people. Wow. Uh, the, but part of the reason I kept it tight is that it made my, it required that my thinking was more precise and it required that my thinking was unorthodox, right? So even if you can afford more, whether it's time, money, whatever, it doesn't mean you should use it because it, you don't want all of that margin for error necessarily. You want to force the hard thinking. So when the book came out, uh, I remember I was, uh, I was killing myself for this, uh, for this book launch. And so I should also point out that, you know, the, the point of the four hour work week and all the case studies in it is that you control this 
currency called time and you can allocate it to things that either give you the most pleasure or the highest leverage, right? And in this case, I knew the book was going to give me the most leverage if executed well. So I was just killing myself, you know, kind of after doing an 80, 20 analysis, I'm like, this is where my time is best spent. And I did, uh, I don't know if, if you, I'm sure you've probably done satellite radio tours before where you just walk in and you do like 40 radio shows in a row. It's exhausting. And I was towards the end of the day, this was a Wednesday, I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday, and uh, I was just demolished. And I got a call from my editor, and I was like, oh, hey, Heather, how's it going? I'm dead. I'm really beat. Like, I don't know if my brain's going to be very helpful right now. And she's like, well, hi there, Mr. New York Times bestselling author. And I was like, okay, Chris. I was just like, uh, I was like, Heather, please don't fuck with me right now. I'm so tired. Please don't. And she's like, no, you hit the list. Like, wow. you are, you're on the extended list. But you hit the list, and I was just like, oh. and you know, I just kind of leaned back against the wall and fell down, and I was like, kind of sitting there with my head in my hands, and I was just like, wow, you know, I'd wanted it, but like on some level, didn't think it was going to happen, mm-hmm. and and uh, so the first book just explodes and goes ballistic. I mean, goes completely nuts and hits the New York Times list, stays on the New York Times list for four about four and a half years unbroken, wow. every week, hits number one. Uh, gets translated into now 40 something odd languages and, um, still, still sits around like 200 on Amazon now. Yeah. And the book, the book, the book's amazing. And, and obviously that's why I value your, uh, contribution to, to, for this time, you know? Yeah. Of course. Um, you go on after that, you go and do, uh, the four hour body. Yep. Correct. And again, bang, right? Yep. Out, out of there. Now all of a sudden, uh, you know, you decide to do exactly what you do best. You start to look at the next best opportunities mm-hmm. where the trend and or the people are going because, right. you know, you know, as they say, you, you know, um, you want to be where it's going to be, not yeah. where it's at now. Right. You go do a deal, right? And what happens with this, this book deal you go to do? Yeah. So, the, yeah, exactly. So like Wayne Gretzky, right? You want, you want to go to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. And I noticed a trend where with the four hour work week, the, uh, percentage of digital sales, ebooks, was about, I'd say, 6% uh, in the first month or two, because the Kindle was also just becoming a thing. Right. And then for the four hour body, it was about 25, 30%. And I could just, I could see where the trend was going and where consumption was going of, of printed material. Uh, so I had an opportunity to be the first major book acquired by Amazon Publishing, which is not self-publishing. So Amazon was was and did launch Amazon Publishing, which would pay advances, recruit authors, and compete head-to-head against the big six, you know, the, right. the Simon & Schuster's, the Random Houses, mm-hmm. and everything. And so I had a chance to be the first, right? And I like being first. There are a lot of risks with that. You take mm-hmm. a lot of arrows. Mm-hmm. If anything's going to go wrong, you're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I love doing it. It's one of those things. That's what gets me excited. And I was like, you know, like, if that's a wave no one surfed before, like, I want to try that. Uh-huh. And uh, so I decided to partner with Amazon, and it was huge news, went out, New York Times, everything, and I expected there to be some blowback, right? I expected there to be some issues, but man, were there a lot of issues. Uh, Barnes & Noble, somewhat expected, uh it uh, boycotted the book, so no. Oh, I know the biggest, the yeah. biggest guys. Yeah, the big, the big guy, mm-hmm. like the big guy, mm-hmm. and then uh, a ton of other folks in the UK, Canada followed suit. Mm-hmm. And then the Indies followed suit, and then what I didn't expect was the big box guys, who are also afraid of Amazon for for related but different reasons. Uh, Costco, Target, Walmart, uh, all boycotted the book. So now you're in a situation, or I was in a situation where it's like, okay. 
my entire reputation, the last three years of my life, uh, right, and I put about three years into each book, hinges on getting this to, to as many people as possible. And I have effectively zero retail distribution. Right. Now what? And uh, I had to do a bunch of very unorthodox things to try to get it out into people's hands. So one, uh, and there's, there's an expression you hear sometimes in publishing, which is the hardest place to sell a book is in a bookstore. Why? Because there are a million other books. Right. And uh, I, I started reaching out to other people with large retail footprints, and Panera Bread was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it turned out I had a lot of fans at Panera, and part, as a benefit of the first book, and so we, we did uh, sort of a shock and awe campaign in New York City specifically around all the other publishers to like fire a warning shot. And so the the book distribution through Panera was done primarily in New York, but it was for the PR benefit. Right. Right? Because it wasn't planned to do the whole thing nationwide. And we're talking about the four hour chef at this point. Four hour chef, right. So we're doing the four hour chef and we launched it with a a secret menu also at Panera mm-hmm. where people could get slow carb items, which means no bread. At Panera means yes. bread. Uh, so we did all this simultaneously. I also, so, so I had to think about basically going back to square one because it's as, as if I have, almost as if I have no money because I have no retail distribution at all. So it's like, no, I, you didn't have, it's not that you didn't have any money. You were actually negative. You had enemies. Yeah, I had enemies. Right. right so right. you couldn't even, if you had money, you even couldn't if I go had money, that. I couldn't buy my way into exactly. placement at the end cap, right. right? In Barnes and Noble. What wouldn't happen? Right. Exactly. So I was actually at a deficit. Exactly. Uh, so we did a bunch of, of really interesting things. Uh, we also basically at the same time I took over Panera, negotiated really well and took over uh, a portion of the taxi cabs in New York City to run a trailer for the book. And uh, simultaneous with that, did something which cost uh, really no money at the time, uh, got in touch with BitTorrent. And uh-huh. BitTorrent, for those people who don't know, I mean, it's a it's a peer-to-peer file, file sharing network, basically. They, they wouldn't like that description very much, but uh, where you can find almost anything. And and they wanted to establish themselves. And this is where you have to figure out what other people want. I know you know this. But it's like, you, it can't just be the I need, I need, like you said. What does what do other people want? And I, I sought out people like BitTorrent because they wanted to establish themselves as a way for legitimate artists or producers to spread content to new fans. Right. And I was like, I can be your poster boy. Right. And I will, I basically even the same pitch I gave to Crown, right? When I sold my first book, I was like, I will, I will do everything. I'm going hard. I'll go hard because this, I need this. Right. So I will do everything I can to put you guys on the map with like mainstream media as a legitimate source of distribution. So did a big partnership with them, a, a ton of content given away for free, email gates, which means we got email addresses for people who signed up to get these things for free. Long story short, it was the, the entire torrent bundle. Uh, so if you see a four hour chef bundle, you can still find it was uh, downloaded, I think, more than two and a half million times. Wow. And it became, at the end of the day, in, when we looked at, at it in retrospect, like the number five, I think, most downloaded torrent wow. of the entire year, ahead of some of the biggest musicians you've heard of. And all of these things helped drive it uh, to, you know, number one, Wall Street Journal, hit the list, stay there, sat there for a while. And would I have sold more books if I had full retail rollout? Probably. Would it have forced me to be as innovative? Probably not. Right. Do I regret having made the decision? No. Exactly. Uh, 
And yeah, that's it. And, and, and I think you are the epitome and you sum it all up. I mean, you know, the, the lessons, the takeaways from there are two things. Uh, number one is, uh, you know, people believe that, that after they get to a certain stage in life or if they get to that certain stage in life, they're not going to have roadblocks and obstacles. Right. So whether you're Steve Jobs who was fired over yeah. at, at Apple or yeah. you're, Bill Gates and the government is coming after you for this yeah. uh, to try to try to choke you or you're yeah. Donald Trump and you leverage too much of your properties or you're Damon John and after FUBU goes they go oh that was just a fad people yeah. don't like baggy jeans yeah. oh uh, it's never going to happen again yeah. don't think that it's ever going to stop actually the more successful you become you the just more trade haters up. you get yeah you just trade right. up Exactly. It's, you just trade up the haters, yeah, right? Yeah, like, but on the also, uh, what you, you also have, um, really showed me and everybody who's watching is at whatever level you get, you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to dig in deep and you yourself have to do it. If you think you're going to allocate it to everybody else and the whole idea about being a boss and an owner is to sit home and do this and that. I don't believe that success is going to follow that. So you go ahead and break all the records. And of course, the book goes off to doing uh, really, really impressive numbers. And it's still out there. And, you know, I just want to sum this all up because, uh, first of all, here's where um, I find you amazing. Um, uh, I find the fact that you, you, you find new and uh, viable veins to go out there and push your agenda as well as enrich people's lives. Because if you really look at not only how you've gotten there, what you've put out is probably the most valuable thing uh, that we have in our lives. There's only three things that really can um, help us in life or hurt us. It's, and it's time, it's your health, and it's your nutrition. And they're all married together. And yeah. if any one of those three fall, yeah. you can't be successful. Right. And I'm not talking about success is necessarily going to be money. Yeah. You can't have a productive life as a father, a mother, a child, you know, a loved one, and or you can't have success. So, first of all, that's valuable. And I really urge everybody who's watching this to please, please read the books. And I am a huge fan of it. I'm just going to sum it up with some of the other things that Tim has done. And this is going to be very, very short. But uh, Tim is an investor and advisor in things such as, you may have heard of them, uh, Facebook, Shopify, Uber, Evernote, AngelList, Twitter, and the list goes on. Um, I will list everything uh, and every way that you can really uh, check out Tim's materials, and I'm a big fan of his. Thank you, Tim, for, for hanging out with me, and I really did learn things. I'm, I'm a student of life, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is great. I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you, man. See you. Hey guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out, just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com, all spelled out, and just drop in your email, and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it.